Hey, good morning, good afternoon or good evening, depending on when you're watching this edition of Hypnosis Week. Yes, indeed, it's me again, Alex Williams-Smith, better known to many of you as the British bad boy of hypnosis, Jonathan Royal of MagicalGuru.com. And yes, I've got another great guest for you. Uh, somebody who I met uh, in person, uh, crikey, I'm losing track of time. It's 2017, I think it was, physically in person, if I remember correctly. Uh, an event that Steve Miller had uh, organised in Birmingham called the Royal Event. Um, but I already knew of him via Facebook. We were connected in, in that region. So I watched from afar and uh, he does a lot. He calls himself, doesn't call himself a hypnotherapist from a marketing point of view, he calls himself the mind fixer or uh, other places it comes up as the mindset engineer. But amongst the many techniques he uses are what you guys and girls would refer to as hypnotherapy, NLP or other whatever fancy bloody titles they, they, they're given them for psychological techniques. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Steve, and let's see if I pronounce this somewhere close, Steve Blompied. That'll do. Close enough. I'll answer to that. How are you doing, mate? I'm, I'm fine. You'll see how it's spelled by looking underneath this video where the link is to his website, and then you can practice saying it back. Yeah, I'm good, Steve. Um, so look, I always start with the same question for everybody, and then we just see where it goes. The obvious question is that, yes, as you sit here today and I interview you on uh, the 29th of January 2020, and I point that out in case you're finding this in years to come and Steve mentions anything about pricing or anything like that that's time dependent. Um, yes, you do work with people to help them overcome the blocks and their issues and whatnot, but you didn't always do that. Tell us a little bit about your journey to get into where you are now. I was actually I was thinking about my journey and um, obviously, you know, when you when you're invited on a podcast, you, you kind of go back and you think about about where you've been. And my journey actually starts with somebody I know that, you know, and that's Andrew Newton. OK, um, because he used to come to Jersey all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, he used to uh, he used to do lots of shows here and that sparked my interest in in hypnosis and uh and i actually learned to hypnotize people from books from the school library the school library there was a book in the school library that spoke about it and i picked up enough uh -huh. to be able to hypnotize people at parties and i didn't have a clue what i was doing not a clue but uh you know i can remember the first time anybody ab reacted on me <laughs> okay <laughs> but um but that isn't where i went because um I, I didn't kind of take that seriously. It was just a, it was just something to do for fun. And I, um, through my kind of teenage years and afterwards, I suffered from really, really badly with, uh, with what I now recognize as anxiety and depression. Um, and somehow over, over kind of 20 years, I lived with that while building a career in uh, in it in the financial services industry which is what jersey is known for you know where i'm from it's it's an international finance center um so my career really was was in it um right up until kind of 2005 but um but along with that along in the background the whole time was running this kind of thing that i would occasionally play with and this this interest in kind of reading books and studying and figuring out how the mind works a lot of that was actually trying to figure out how my mind worked 
you know why i was why i was stuck in this kind of um well sick mind fraud or sick yeah it did say that therapists generally are people that are merely searching for answers to their own problems totally absolutely and in fact it was it was kind of around 2005 2006 when my career kind of just collapsed and some really stuff bad stuff happened which i won't go into it's not relevant um but uh my career fell apart from underneath me i felt myself going back down again um where i thought i'd kind of managed it i thought i was okay um and trying to to kind of pick myself up from where i was was the start of what i do now um i actually at the time i i discovered um tapping you know emotional freedom technique okay and that made a massive difference to me and and i was able to pick myself up from what from what had happened and kind of get my life going again but a it just by chance a training for emotional freedom technique happened locally which i managed to get on which led to me becoming a practitioner and then it was like oh hang on a minute this is what i should have been doing all along and it all kind of fell into place i've got it i mean i don't even know why i was about to say beware that the odd question might be me playing devil's advocate Mm. and asking the things that i suspect some people at home watching may suddenly i pop into their heads because um i think you probably know me better than a lot of people do because you've actually seen me live rather than just believing shit on the internet so with that in mind you say that EFT, emotional freedom technique, it's one of many different tapping methods out there, but for people who don't know, thought field therapy came first, well, yeah. came before EFT by from a guy called Roger Callahan, and then one of his students, Gary Craig, modelled it and improved it, the argument goes on, between the different camps and came up with what he called emotional freedom technique. Um Personally, I just think that Gary Craig was sat in a hotel room in England somewhere and was watching, and if you don't know this, if you don't, not in England, you're going to have to go on YouTube and have a look, but was watching the kids' TV show Rainbow with a character called Zippy in it who sits and he talks and he goes, oh, Jeffrey! And I think he was watching that and he suddenly saw Zippy go, oh, Jeffrey! I feel so much better now. I thought, he just tapped himself on the face. He feels better. And he came up with this uh, important seeming ritualistic process to pat and interrupt, distract the mind, is what I would argue. Why do you honestly think it helped you? That is the crux of that if you'd have If you'd have asked me that question when I was doing it, when I, was bought, when I bought into the whole EFT thing, Mm-hmm. I'd have said I'd have gone completely down the line I said yeah it's it's meridians it's all this kind of stuff that we were taught I would have completely bought into it yeah uh if you asked me that question now I did the question <laughs> it, the, the answer is that um it's like most forms of therapy that we and I know we kind of agree on this the um people have the innate ability to get over anything they want we all have that we have you know we have that ability to get over and sometimes what we need is like as you put it the important seeming ritual 
um, to give us access to that ability that we already had. Mm. You know, now I see it that, you know, um, and I'll, I will happily say to people that I, I use something similar to, to EFT occasionally, which uh, is something that I picked up from you, uh, which is the CMT process. Okay. Um, and and I use that, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you tap. It doesn't matter what you do. I, I I say often. I say I could hit people with a furry stick, and they'd get better if the belief was there. And that's the key, viewers. Honestly, you know, it sounds like sometimes my questions are poo-pooing what we do. But you've got to remember, the people I'm interviewing have been doing this for decades, and and so have I. And the, the key thing, if it rattles your cage in some ways. You've got to ask yourself, why is it rattling your cage? Is there some underlying truth? And um, would you benefit from realising that? And also remember, it doesn't really matter how it gets done, as long as you don't hurt anyone, yeah. physically, mentally or emotionally. If they get a good end result that they desired, does it really matter? You know, um, although I would argue once you realise perhaps that it's down to intent, um placebo and all these myriad of other things that you can then add on other layers of important seeming rituals to make it arguably more effective for the client now that's all well and good therapy wise but i know that largely you do a lot of i suppose people viewing would view it as being uh success coaching yes uh, and, and stuff how does that differ it's the same thing there's no difference we're, de- we're still dealing with human beings that have got um, unconscious patterns that they're running, things that they're not aware of. It's it's the same stuff. Um, whether I get somebody that's coming to me because they 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 feel that they're suffering from anxiety, or whether they're they're stuck in their business and they're not able to move forward, um, or they're not achieving the things that they want to, the things that they're consciously saying they want to achieve, but it's not happening. It's it's all the same thing. Un- underlying it, for some reason, they're, they're running some kind of, for want of a better word, some kind of program mm-hmm. that is causing them to get these external results. And, and it's the same process. You go in, you find the program, you alter the program, you change the person, fundamentally change how they approach the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they get the result they want, whether that result is that they're able to go out into the world without having those feelings or if they're able to, to go out into the world understanding those feelings so that they don't bother them in the same way or whether they're able to go out and create the million pound business that they that they've never done before it's it's the same thing it's identical okay so if it's the same thing identical um which obviously it's because it's what you do so it's your experience but i mean people watching might have fallen into the trap some of them because there's so many different bloody courses out there you might fall into the trap of seeing there's a co- uh, you know there's a coaching course here and then there's a coaching course for business and then there's coaching for business including NLP skills and there's coaching for business and it's like well hang on a minute if it's ultimately the same technique for stopping somebody smoking as helping them remove a block that's getting in the path to making money um what why the freaking out? I mean, what's your views? Like, there's all these misleading, you know, shit out there. That there's, oh, there's something different when it's in this area. Do you know what? Do you know what shit is? Do you know what shit is? God, it's subconscious human interaction training. Excellent. <laughs> I like that. Subconscious human interactive 
interaction or interactivity training. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, and we yeah. all pick up loads of shit when we're growing up. So would you say the bulk of what you do on the on the kind of the the corporate success coaching side is I'm just gonna get rid of helping people get rid of shit that's in their head, or is it viewing things differently? Because um, I mean, this, there's a slight difference between those two. Okay, there are there are, there are some distinct things that I I would break down what I do into. Okay. First of all, is is getting people to to go past the limitations of what they think they're capable of. Because we pick up loads of programming as as children of what we can have or what we're actually capable of. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't think big enough. You know, they 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 just don't they don't even let themselves think big enough for fear of for fear of being disappointed. I suppose in some ways that's that's what it is. Um, so part of it is just actually making a big enough plan, making a big enough goal. You know, if you if you say to some like some of the people that. Uh, some of the clients I work with um, I want you to create me a program that's that's £50,000 create a program for your clients that's £50,000 for them to do and they and people freeze right I'm not asking them to sell it I'm asking them to create it and they can't even think big enough to create it so part of it is is about thinking big and and having those big goals but the other part is going and looking for the reasons why you haven't got it yet what are the what are the reasons that you are holding yourself back from having it and that's always without fail that is that goes back to your earliest experiences childhood childhood experiences are always there's a the root of our issues always go back to something that happened kind of in your in the imprint period you know prior to kind of seven years old seven eight years old there's stuff that that things get that our identity gets built around um, so a lot of people like that kind of falls into kind of Sigmund Freud um, areas. Yes, it, it does, except that that I'm not saying that the if we think about Freud, Freud had lots of ideas about how people, you know, like the complexes people built up and the, you know. Yeah, what, I mean, I think there's no other view of it would be uh, the kill your father, fuck yeah, your mother syndrome. There we go. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it's leaving that open for you, but um, that isn't that isn't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the structure of our of our identity of how we do the world. If you grew up in a family uh, where money was was bad, you know things things in our language like filthy rich, mm. right? There's there's stuff hidden in it in in plain sight about this. Um, if you if your parents were of the attitude that rich people were bad in some way, you know that rich cat there that screws people over, that kind of stuff, you can build your identity and how you do the world around those beliefs. They can underpin who who you are. So you can go through life thinking, even even if it's um, if you're trying to push through it, if there's an unconscious rule, for instance, that you've got that says that rich people are bad. Well, that's where the resistance is going to show up to you being rich. And you see this all the time. You see people that you that become rich and then they lose it all. Yeah. And they seem to do everything. They seem to actually actively go out to try to get back to to that 
point of where they were before of where their mind is 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 capable of or where their mind is comfortable of being that's like the majority of lottery winners isn't it they've lost all the money the multi you know the multi-million air lottery winners within sort of couple of three years at most they've mm. they've lost it all it's really just- common and and the converse to that is that you can take somebody who's come from from a background where where they kind of learned that money was easy to get and you can take their money away and they will get it back straight away because it seems the most natural thing in the world to them. absolutely yeah we we can complicate this as much as we want with with kind of fancy language and analyzing and all that kind of stuff but it's actually pretty simple it's your underlying set of rules about how the world works control what you get mm-hmm. So how do you change those rules for the client? I mean, because consciously, if, if this is at an unconscious level, mm. you know, just consciously saying change your thoughts, uh, it doesn't really work, does it? Because this is more mm. powerful. So, I mean, uh, do you hypnotize them or do you frame it as something different? Eyes closed, relaxation process. Um, I mean, how, how do you do it? Some of the things I do, you might not recognize as hypnosis. Okay. Okay. That sounds um, interesting. People have got, people have often got a preconception about what hypnosis is. Um, dep- it, but it really does depend on the, on the person. Sometimes it's as simple as asking them to look at the, asking them to, to think about where their rules come from. Right. So something I'll say a lot of the time is I'll, I'll be working with a client and they'll they'll make a statement such as money doesn't grow on trees. All right. There's a classic money. Yeah. Money doesn't grow on trees. OK. Who told you that? Who told you money doesn't grow on trees? And they'll be like, well, I can I can remember my mum saying that. And at that point, you can say, how how good was your mum as a, as a business person? <laughs> right. And you make them laugh. Mm-hmm. And um. That moment of laughter is sometimes all you need as an in to just get past that kind of uh, what we call the critical faculty, the bouncer at the at the door of the nightclub. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just laughing is enough to get in there and you say, yeah, is that right? Yeah. How, how good were they as a business person? They go, oh, my God, they were terrible. Yeah. So is what they said right? And you see that moment of realization happen where they kind of they, they look around and they go, oh, wow, I've been living that. And that can be enough. Now, that doesn't necessarily appear to be hypnosis. But it is. It's still having this. It's You're still doing the same thing. And sometimes there's a formal trance induction, you know, do the whole kind of what they what they expect to have. Mm-hmm. Is um, that more a case of if that's what they ask for? You get a feeling. Mm-hmm. You get a feeling with people, whether they're kind of buying into it. And sometimes um just sometimes doing something like uh like um a hand stick or a finger lock you know where you you get their fingers to come together Uh that can be enough to to destabilize disbelief you know to kind of break that disbelief i know that um i know that uh carl smith somebody i respect a lot carl uses that all the time he goes he's basically built his entire business on getting people to do to have their fingers come together yeah you know, he talks about that a lot. Um, but it's true. You, if you can, if you can get past somebody's disbelief that they can have what they want, but you just need to. Sometimes you just need to prove it to them. I did this with um, 
we did uh, a, a live event at the end of last year and we had about 30, 30 people in the room. And um, and I had them doing doing a finger stick and a hand lock and all this kind of stuff. And um, and a few people in that room had transformational experiences and chain, their business changed just from being in that room mm-hmm. because it gave them the it it kind of freed them up it let them it gave them i know you talk about this a lot it, they gave them the permission to kind of go oh well it's all right i've seen this guy now so i can go and do it you know which um which is a big part of it as well i know you, you talk about that with smoking yeah right? um well pretty much anything it's yeah. my view that largely it's giving them the excuse permission environment time removal of excuses as to why they didn't do it before um with with the business coaching success coaching end of it i mean people view it you you see it banded around if you do this business coaching course then you can earn a, a whole stack of money now that depends how good the course is at teaching you to get clients, I suppose, to one degree. But there is this element that business success coaching, it, that people charge more for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and logically, I would argue that part of it working is the people attaching enough value to make that kind of investment in the first place. What what's your kind of views on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's completely right. Um, there's a story I tell a lot, which which goes back um, quite a few years. And I used to charge I used to charge about 90 pounds an hour. Mm-hmm. OK, which was a kind of a. a a medium high kind of rate for for what i did and, and where i was you know it was it was okay that's still, that's still a lot higher than a, sadly a lot of uh hypnotherapists it, in england have got unfortunately, the charge. unfortunately as well first of all is you should never charge by the hour anyway but that's a that's oh. a different story so um we were talking to because we've got a health and fitness kind of business here locally and we were talking to um, to the owner of a swanky kind of club in town who wanted to bring us on to do kind of um, wellness stuff for his people. Okay. So we, we were sitting there and I was talking to him about the, what I could do and the kind of things that that um, that I was able to help with. And he said, so what are your rates? And I said, well, it's, it's 90 pounds an hour for that. And he kind of sat back and looked at me and he went, no. He said, that's not, I can't do that. And I was quite, I was a little bit naive, to be honest, because I was like, oh, no, no, I charge too much. Yeah. And he said, I can't, I can't present you to my people at 90 pounds an hour. He said, they're just not going to take you seriously. That, that moment for me was one of those moments that snuck past my critical faculty. It snuck past my bouncer in the gate and it hit me deep inside. And it's, and it was like, oh i've got this wrong you know i really have got this wrong people expect to pay what they feel is the right amount Mm. setting setting a rate um that rate depends on who you're working with for a start the the multi 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 millionaire that spends 90 pounds on a bottle of champagne and leaves half of it on the table 
is not going to take you seriously if you charge 90 pounds to remove his lifelong phobia of flying yeah yeah and this guy said to me he actually said to me if you'd have told me it was five grand to work with you he said i'd have taken you seriously um you know very quickly on my feet i said it's all right i can work at that level as well (laughs) (laughs) excellent but yeah no I, I, i couldn't agree with you more i mean there's there's a tale i relate uh one time i was contacted i can't by a very rich individual from greece is as much as I can really say. And they asked how much it was going to be for me to treat their supermodel girlfriend. And I said, oh, two and a half. That's literally what a book could I logically assume that they'd looked at my website at the time. And on the website, it says from, or it did then, it said from 250 quid. Um, so I was just like being casual, two and a half. Yeah, right. It was agreed. So, so I, I, I assumed he's looked at the website and we're, we're singing off the same hymn sheet. I do I do the session. At the end, he goes, oh, it's a check. Right? It was like Coots Bank. So I just I looked to it. Yeah, check's fine. I didn't I knew for I wouldn't. I don't normally take checks and I don't normally ever see people without being paid up front. But given the individual, I knew I was getting paid. So you just writes it, folds it in half, puts it on the table. I don't even pick it up because I don't want to look, you know, I don't need the money. It's fine. Have a brew. Go, he takes me then and his um, model lady friend to a local Chinese restaurant for a meal before he heads back to, to London. I eventually get home and open the check and I look at it and think, oh, fuck, he's fucked this up. And I look at it closer and I realise that what he's written does match the figures he's put in numbers and he wrote it out for two and a half grand mm-hmm. but it was two and a half it, it never crossed his mind he hadn't looked at the website and without me having clearly without me having said an actual thing he assumed two and a half meant that and was more than happy he was like at the time he was writing it he said are you sure you don't want more because it goes back to what you were saying about buying you're not selling your time in hourly increments, you're selling results, yeah. You can yeah, open totally. that up a bit more. Yeah, you're you're not selling, you're not selling how much your time is supposedly worth, right? Because that isn't what the person is coming to you for. They're not coming to you to dig a hole in their garden, right? You can't say like it's ten pound an hour and I'll dig a hole in your garden, and they end up with a hole, right? They're coming to you because they have something that is massively important to them. It, it quite possibly has taken them a long, a long time to get to the point that they've actually come to see you because they've probably been living this, living with whatever this is for quite some time. They've had yeah. to get to that point of threshold where they, they've actually gone, I've got to do something about this. So this problem is huge to them. Well, it's a good chance. It's a huge problem to them. Um. So you're not paying them for the for the the hour or sometimes the five minutes that they sit with you because we do that occasionally. We get the odd five minute wonder that click and it's gone. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes people get better walking in the door. Um, what they're paying for is what it's worth to them. It's the impact that it has in their life. That's what the value is here. It's not how much your time is worth. And, you know, 
oh, how many courses have I taken and how good am I at doing this? It's, it doesn't matter. Mm. It's, it's the difference you're making to the person. That's where the value is. I think that's something a lot of therapists have a mental mental block with. The idea that you can, assuming you market yourself right, it's no good marketing, you know, charging a thousand pound a session, say, or a thousand pound for a result, uh, if you're only marketing to people who are likely to be all unemployed on benefits who can't afford. Although that said, if they value the result enough, you know, they can save up and afford to buy the latest bloody Xbox and 800 quid iPhone. So if they genuinely want the result, even people from impoverished backgrounds yeah. will save up. And I think a lot of therapists have a guilt complex about, I can't possibly charge somebody like that, say 500 quid to stop them smoking and totally forget about the fact, well, hang on a minute, there's probably spending at least a tenner a day smoking, so, you know. But- there's another thing as well and this comes from a book this was actually in a book i read recently um 80 20 marketing by perry marshall and in the back of the book he says it is your responsibility to find the people who can pay the maximum amount for your services and to market solely to those people because only by doing that can you be in a position to help the people who need it that can't pay you anything by marketing to the people at the top and making as much money as you possibly can, you get to build wells in Africa. Yeah. When you take it to the extremes, you know, instead of marketing to the middle of the road, the people that kind of, oh, that seems a lot. Mm, take it to the extremes. Help the people who, who really can pay you the, the £100,000 and then use that money to help the people that have got nothing. Mm. That's profound for people. It, is. it was powerful. I, I remember yes. reading, I was I was coming back from I was coming back from Spain on a plane with, with my wife and I kind of it's one of those moments where I stopped and I just said, You've got to read this. Because this is how this is how I feel. You know, it's similar, but it's a level above something I I, I tell people when I'm do, doing my courses and what I say is everyone therapists to go on different training schools going about this, this, that, the other, and they're going about ethics. We're more ethical. This is more that. Well, I'm going a minute. My definition of being ethical is this. To give your client what they want in the fastest possible, consistently going to be long-lasting for them, a uh, safe yep. uh, way that that ecologically I hate that word but ecologically is right in terms of their environment and the family structure and all manner of other considerations whereby you yourself as the therapist are giving them a hundred percent of you when they're paying money and to give a hundred percent of you you need to the chances are you need to start charging more and marketing differently because if you're sat there as I see so many therapists do on groups discussing, oh, if I go on this course, will I be able to earn more money? Or how can I get more clients? Well, hang on. If you're sat there thinking, how am I paying the mortgage this month? And, and that program's running in the back of your mind, even though you may not consciously be thinking about it, you are on some level arguably being distracted from giving your client 100%, which I would say is unethical. Yeah, I would agree completely. And therefore, you need to charge more so you can be in a position where you're not worried about your bills so you can give your clients 100 percent 
yeah. what I would argue. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. Um, I think that's something that I call them the boys' clubs. Yeah. You know, the, the the other thing as well yes. is that is that you or I could teach somebody to be a fairly effective therapist in hours. Oh yeah. A few hours and we could we could equip somebody with enough tools to be above average as a therapist. Mm. You don't need all of that stuff. Right? You don't need the endless courses, the endless qualifications that that legally in most parts of the world are meaningless. Yeah. Yeah, they don't mean anything at all. They just they, they all they mean is that a group of people have got together and said, Yeah, let's let's issue this certificate. Um I think the value in some of them um placebo. Placebo, placebo is obviously a value of having a certificate on the wall. But I mean with certain courses, I think there's a value, but I don't think most people actually realise this is the value they're buying. If someone's come up with a nice name mm-hmm. and a nice logo and a, a credible looking website and you and the, and they managed to get some media publicity for it i'm going to give it i'm going to get i am actually going to give one example because i, I i'm sure he won't mind um steve miller the british uh, weight loss uh specialist hypnotherapist um who runs what he calls he came up with a weight loss system called fat gnosis yeah. and it's very much marketed on the angle of uh, you're too gorgeous to be fat um you know if you but if you remain as fat as you are you're going to die early and all it's quite shocking controversial yes, yeah. and he gets himself regularly there's not a week goes by where he isn't on a national radio show tv show or featured in the uh mainstream print media here in england um so then he set up a thing called the association of weight loss uh hypnotherapist and yeah, it is another boys' club at first sight. You pay a yearly fee to be a member of something, to be out about some meaningless, not legally required uh, letters after your name that maybe have a bit of a placebo effect on the client. Except, unlike 99.9% of these boys' clubs where you pay a yearly fee and allegedly you can get cheaper insurance, which is a laugh because I get my students' insurance just as cheap, sometimes cheaper. Where you have to pay a yearly fee, they say it's non-profit, but bizarrely they don't really do anything for the members. With Steve's Association of Weight Loss Hypnotherapists, when you are a member, you can legally therefore say that you're a member of this weight loss association run by Steve Miller, who fat nurses, and every week is in the media, so you can then republish, for example, put out articles that Steve Miller's just got in the national papers and go. I'm in the society association run. I'm approved effectively endorsed by this individual. And because of the weight of publicity he's getting, that is worth it in marketing terms to pay the yearly fee to be a member. But with most of these boys clubs, it isn't. Um, I I think what I'm what I'm saying, I'm not putting down getting trained and getting getting some kind of certifications. I'm not putting that down at all. I've done dozens and dozens and dozens of those including yours um what i'm saying is uh don't let don't believe that another qualification is what you need in order to be effective and to charge more quite often it's confidence you need yourself as a therapist isn't it more than anything or better marketing skills rather than 
business that's skills. A, yeah. Business skills and the confidence to do it. And and confidence comes from helping people. I wasn't confident the first time I went out and helped somebody. I wasn't confident at all, but I gained confidence. The more people I helped and the more the more things I did, the more confident I got. Mm. So what would you say is probably is perhaps the easiest? Yeah, we'll go with easiest first. I know that's all a matter of perception, really. But what generally speaking, would you say is the easiest sort of things that viewers watching this hypnotherapist who are stuck in a rut, stuck believing maybe, you know, the most they can charge is what they're currently charging. How would you give them the kick up their ass? What sort of easy things could they start doing themselves to get to that belief system that, you know what, yeah, it is okay to charge more. And in fact, it'd be the right thing to do. Mm. What easy things. That's, um, that's quite, it's quite a personal thing sometimes. Sometimes you have to find some, find people's own triggers, you know, for that. Um, the first thing is the is to really understand that that mindset that frame of mind that it's about the value you give not about the time you spend that's the first thing you've got to understand and, you, and sometimes you, you've just got to really think about that think about the i'm going to i'm going to illustrate this with this with another another of my stories please do and i'm going to I want I want people listening this to listening to this to think about the value here before I talk about how much they charge they paid right mm -hmm. one of my first paying clients was uh, it was a young couple and the woman contacted me and said um, I don't know if you can help me would you be prepared to see my fiance and I said okay what's going on and she said well um we really want to get married mm -hmm. but i really want to go go away and get married away and he can't get on a plane ah okay right would you see him and i um these days i'd say well he needs to call me but back then i was like okay so i went to see them and it took me about half an hour and we cleared his flying phobia a year later, I got an email from that lady saying that they'd just come back from honeymoon. Okay. And they'd been, I, I forget where it was, but it was, I think it was the Seychelles. It was a, it was a beach that they'd got, that they'd been to, you know, and she just said, thank you so much. I just want you to know that, that you changed our lives. How much is that worth? Everyone's going to have their own opinion on that, aren't they? But, I mean, the first thing that springs to my mind is that from the – and I'll probably get people sending me emails saying I'm sexist here – but from the female perspective, which stereotypically is the driver in wedding organisational things, uh, they'll think nothing of spending thousands and thousands of pounds on a dress or – thousands and thousands of pounds on table decorations for the reception so if it is arguably something that is more important uh life-changing transformational and long-lasting 
because obviously it means for life the person could then get on a plane. Whereas uh, after the wedding, the table decorations are taken back from where they've been hired from. Mm. Then I would say that it is not unjustified to attach the same kind of value to it as the table decorations, the, you know, the wedding dress, in which case thousands. I know somebody that spent £30,000 on a wedding once. 30 grand on a wedding. Yeah. You know, happens. It happens all the time. So was it fair? Was it fair and just and equitable that they paid me less than £100 for that? Christ. Um, I, gee, Christ. I mean, in my world, I would say, thank God it worked. Well, there was a massive negative suggestion thereby only charging 90 quid that could have screwed it up because mm. i mean that, christ that's naff all well they'll, they'll, i mean yeah they'll spend more than that on confetti to give out <laughs> yeah and yet every day there are people out there that charge 40 pounds or 90 pounds or 150 pounds for stuff that has even more impact than that on a person's life mm. that's a question that if you're if you're if you're out there charging low fees that is a question i want you to ask i want you to think about that how much how much was that fair and equitable that i was paid 90 pounds for something that was so valuable I've got to say yes on the one hand because obviously that's what you chose to charge um but I was for, for all the reasons I've already said I would argue that that's a ridiculously on any level that's a ridiculously low amount yeah so like I say that's the that's the question I've got for anybody that's listening to this that is that is stuck in the in the low fees place just think about that and see and see what comes up see how you feel about that whether you feel that's fair and then look at yourself and find out look at yourself and ask yourself are you doing the same are you being are you are you allowing that unfair thing to happen Mm. that's an twist on it yeah and i don't mean and i don't mean that if somebody comes to you and says i've got no money but this thing is ruining my life if you want to help them, help them. I do. Sometimes sometimes people will call me and they'll say, I desperately need your help and I don't know how I can pay for it. Mm-hmm. And I'll do and I'll find a way that it works. Um I had one a couple of months back. A woman called me locally, and I very rarely see clients locally anymore. I see all my clients online now. Um and a lady called me and said, my daughter is is threatening to kill herself and I don't know who else to turn to. We've been through the system. We've been everywhere, but don't know who to turn to. And somebody said that you might help. Right. And um, and I, I could hear I actually <laughs> it was horrendous. I could hear the daughter in the background. And I said, where are you? And she was five minutes away down the road. And I said, look, I'm coming now. And I got in the car. I drove. I got I I brought the the daughter down from that place where she was in. I got her calm. 
got her back on a back on a um you know in control so mm-hmm. that they could get through the night because that was it was immer- you know that was what i was concerned about was getting through that, that thing and when she came to say how much do i owe you i said you know what i'm just pleased that i've been able to help and i didn't charge them i could i couldn't do that if i didn't charge everybody else enough yeah which is a very very profound thing to think about people i really there'll still be people who mentally wrestle with it and go uh well yeah is that and excuse i'm gonna give you another one right if if um if a somebody with a an entrepreneur or a coach comes to me and says um i want to take my business to the next level um i'm kind of doing like i'm kind of doing like fifty thousand a year but i want to go to the next level i want to really do something huge and i'm I'm not getting there, right? Would you help me? If I issue them an invoice of £5,000, right, which is consultancy, so it's tax deductible because I'm a consultant, right, and my business issues them an invoice and they come to see me for a couple of sessions and they, t- they take their 50000 a year business to £2.5 That's the best five grand they have ever spent. Yeah, I can throw these at you all day because this is what I live. Well, one example, and I personally have only ever done this once. I'm making that clear, so I'm not claiming that I, I, I do this all the time because I don't, just because it doesn't particularly interest me that much. Um, but I did some training with somebody once, and it, it they explained a system for guaranteeing that you go into a company not charge them anything up front and increase their profitability guaranteed by a certain level, which you would tangibly tell them once you've done your examination, is it where you say to them, I can guarantee you this kind of increase. And on that basis, uh, based on that kind of level of increase, assuming you have it over this time period, you therefore will pay me one off once only, um, you know, say, 50% 50% of that figure that I've increased your profits by. Mm-hmm. But then every year thereafter, you should still be making at least that extra profit and you're not having to pay me. It's a one-off. And so it was talking telephone number figures. And I tried it once, and this is I'm, I'm relating this for people at home. Now, if you actually do want to earn money, earning money is not difficult if you approach it in the right manner. That's the thing. He's scam. I, I use the term scam, but he wasn't. He provided them with what he promised was that he would go into a business and he said he'd get permission to be able to talk to all. Yes, he talked to the directors and all that. But more to the point, he got them to confirm him right and they'd leave him alone while he went and spoke to all the people lower down in the business. Because he said, without a doubt, the people lower down know more about what's going on in that business, generally speaking, than the directors and the people at the top. And he'd go and ask them simple things like if this was a company, it was all context relevant, but if this is the company that's sending out hundreds of thousands of letters every month, he'd go and ask where they were getting the paper from, where they were getting the envelopes from, where they were getting the ink for the photocopiers from. And with a simple Google, you know, cursory Google search, he could incredibly easily find a place they could order all the paper from and save like 
quite often a pound or more per pack and then save 10 or a time on printer all the different components that the, the consumables they use within the business and with a big business a big organization this equated to the fact that you could be saving them on a monthly basis 50 grand say which over a year is 600,000 pounds sterling let's just call it a million dollars for people in America to make it easy figures as we're going on so he goes to them and said I can guarantee to say you know make your business that's how he framed it not save your money and make your business bottom line profit increase by at least a million dollars over the next 12 months in which case only when that result occurs you pay me half of it half a million quid and as long as you implement that thereafter you'll still carry on being more profitable and he's talking in terms of selling them the profit, the result. They then had to agree in writing to implement what he told them to do, because if they didn't, there was a penalty fee of, say, 50 grand. So at which point, well, we're either going to pay him 50 quid for suddenly just telling us where to get new paper and ink and stuff from. It sounds ridiculous, I know. Or we implement it. And actually, you know what? The figures show that we will save that. And yes, we'll have to give him half a million quid. But will have an extra million pound on our bottom line profits because and as much as you might think people angrily go we're being scammed it it's often the most obvious ridiculous things like that that can make the difference within a bit and he's built a career on just doing that in businesses and it sounds ridiculous even just relating it but i mean and people watching so go, oh, couldn't do that. That's ripping people off. But it, it, it isn't, is it? It's not. Yeah. You're genuinely saving the money. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Or, or you know, saving the money or, or showing them how to make a lot more. Yeah. It, 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 you know, sometimes it just use your eyes and ears. Ask the, ask the little people. This, this can be the key to getting in to... You know, along the way, you might, as a hypnotherapist, offer a group, you know, stress management element to it. I should have put my phone on silent. I apologise, viewers. Um, I mean, do you do stuff in groups at all with companies, corporate? Um, Because I I work with... um, I I made a decision, and that was to work with people who wanted to change the world. Okay. Right. And that was purely because I I thought about how can I make how can I make a big impact in the world sitting on a sitting on an island in the middle of the sea? Mm-hmm. My, you know, how can I make a big impact in the world without without having to do too without having to go crazy and do too much, you know, and kind of like put myself out there and, and, and burn myself out? What was the best way that I could do that? What was the most efficient way? And I thought, well, what I need to do is I need to help the people that help others. So I work with coaches and hypnotherapists and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to do something important. So I tend to work with individuals. Mm-hmm. But where I do work with groups is I work with like Facebook groups. So I like to go into into kind of Facebook groups of entrepreneurs and be the mindset guy in that group, um, which is what I'm doing at the moment. Um, I'm very active in a, in um, in a couple of groups, and I'm so I'm working in a group setting, but it's it's lots of individual right. entrepreneurs. So I, I mean, I feel, how I would you? 
do you what's the word i'm looking for quantifiable mm. do you offer any form of quantifiable guarantee i'm using the word quantifiable because obviously the only way you can really guarantee things in our arena is if the individual uh has also agreed to do certain things mm-hmm. uh, and put laws in place. The, so, I mean, the, only, the only thing, the only guarantee that I give is that if you don't do anything about it, nothing's going to change. Okay. Which is, yeah, very true. Um, at the same time, I am absolutely, uh, I absolutely, um, rely on my ethics which is that if somebody really got nothing out of working with me i wouldn't charge them but that's next to impossible it's next to impossible for anybody to go into any kind of relationship any kind of business relationship and to get nothing out of it as long as they actually take action on things that yeah yeah. And, and you know and a lot of that comes down to choosing the people that you work with you know that's really important don't just take anybody don't just take any client make sure that the client when you're when you're working at a high level and you and you're charging higher fees and you're you're being more i think i like to think of it as more professional about what you're doing you select your clients carefully because you want to make sure that the people that you that you're working with really want it mm. and if they really want it and you are confident that you can provide the solution you know, I could I I could offer a complete hundred percent money back guarantee, and nobody'd ever take me up on it. So interestingly, that bolts into my head the, the the people out there, and there are the certain that can remain nameless, but I'm sure some viewers will have encountered these where they say, "Bloody hell, they're, they're up front saying, you know, this program is going to cost X thousands of pounds." But then they're blatantly saying, however, before you can sign up for it, you have to go through this interview process and then we'll decide whether you're worthy of joining the programme. Which, you know, you see discussed, well, hang on, why are they doing that? Because ultimately, aren't they just going to let everybody in because they're taking money off them? And some of them obviously are doing because it's a, a classic sales psychological ploy but i mean what's your thoughts on that kind of make it more difficult for the client to get to you and they're more likely that they're gonna believe it and value it more i i make it i make it a little bit more difficult to get to me to filter out the people who really want it mm-hmm. so to get to see me you have to fill out a form first um to get even to get as far as the free call that I offer, because I offer a, you know, a free consultation where we can chat nice. through what you, um, what you, what you hope and to, to figure out if I can help you with it. Um, but to do that, there's a form you've got to fill out first. Cause just that one step of uh, having to fill that form out stops people who aren't really committed. Yeah. You know, or it sends them to somebody else that, that isn't asking for that and they get the help elsewhere, but that's okay. Because it means I get less calls coming through. I get I get fewer people contacting me. But the ones that that do have gone to the trouble of filling out that form. I think that's a massive point for people watching, especially the therapists who are currently caught in. Oh, I need more clients. 
maybe you don't need more clients you just need better clients mm. and and better is subjective right don't yeah it's not a judgment call it's subjective because a better client for me might be a terrible client for somebody else and vice versa you know it's like uh, rather than better clients it's clients that are better for you clients that fit you better i don't know why this just entered my head but i'm going to throw it out as a, a, a imaginary scenario to get your viewpoint on and whilst i say it's an imaginary scenario i am certain that, that this probably is relevant to some people watching this at some point. But the imaginary scenario is that we've got someone who, who spent thousands upon thousands of pounds, let's say, on a hypnotherapy course. Doesn't matter who with. A hypnotherapy course, well, it does matter who with. A hypnotherapy course where they've been taught, taught next to piss all about marketing and advertising publicity or promotion the, the business side they've been taught very little about that but they have got a tool bag of skills there and they're currently stuck in a what they perceive to be a dead end normal job working nine to five they don't get on with people in the office and the idea is that this is going to be their escape route but they're scared about you know leaving that and am I going to get enough clients to pay the bills and all that and they may have listened to the rest of this interview about charging guy and all that but at this moment in time they've worked out well hang on everyone else locally hypnotherapist in their local area might let's say that the average rates under a quid for the sake of speaking sadly in a lot of areas the average rate is about 75 quid and then look at it and think, well, what about the people who can't afford the 75 quid? What if I was to charge 50 quid less and literally aim and, you know, put leaflets out to the areas where stereotypically the poorer people are living, you know, not in the big expensive detached houses. And as a result, they get a large number of low paying clients but ultimately if they put them all in say over a period of two or three days they suddenly have the capability to be earning easily double triple what they were in the dead end job that was making them feel depressed so they can give the clients 100 percent because they're not worried about how they're going to pay the bills um what are your thoughts on that given that it kind of goes against some of the advice given previously because it's undercutting the market. But in the context of the imaginary scenario I've just given, it would result in the individual getting out of what they perceive to be a dead end job, getting out of an environment where they feel stressed, depressed, having to socialise with these people in the workplace. Um, perhaps wondering how they're going to pay the bills because they're just earning enough but suddenly the scenario of undercutting the market will, and getting into the hypnotherapy would give them more than they were. And thus they feel better as a person. So there's loads of benefits to them health-wise, mentally, spiritually, and therefore they can give more to the clients perhaps than what, I mean, 
Yeah. How does that work when, because to me, I would argue that for that person at that time, that seems like the no-brainer thing to do. Mm. But what would your thoughts be? Because that goes kind of against a lot of what we spoke about. Okay. There are two, there are two things that are coming to mind. First of all, absolutely, you can see how that would be appealing. Um, but if you if you go down that route of just getting as many people you can at a low rate, you're going to get a lot of people who aren't really committed. Mm-hmm. So your success rate is going to go down or your success rate is going to start low. Yeah. OK, so because you're not because you're not charging enough to to get the people who really want it who are having to save up to come and see you, your success rates are going to be lower than average, which is going to potentially make you feel that you're not as good as you should be, which is going to drive you to then go and look for another course that you can't afford because you're in this situation of only just being able to afford what you've done anyway. Um, And it's going to spiral downwards. And you'll end up going back to your job. Um. So that's that's one that's the thing that immediately jumps out at me that going undercutting people it's the race to the bottom you know and people perceive low cost things as being low quality the whole thing is it's you know it's yeah it's, it's a race to the bottom um, that being said I could see that it would work if you if you could engineer that in a manner like a group session where you could run low cost things to, to to groups of people so that your the amount you earn for the actual time you spend is is higher. That would work. Absolutely. Um, and for perhaps for a short term boost. Yeah, maybe. But as a long term strategy, it's terrible. Hmm. It's terrible. No, no, I couldn't agree more. I was throwing it out there on purpose. because I hope you'd answer like that, um, which you have. Because uh, I think, sadly, I said it was an imaginary scenario, but it's something that I see happening all too often. And there's so many apparently full-time professional therapists, uh, uh, and they make out that they are because, you know, they paid for the website. I mean, so many of them just – the websites aren't getting found because they don't know about that side of things. They're still there because they paid for X number of years up front, and they're actually not getting any clients, and they've gone back to doing it part-time and having a – proper job not that they'll ever directly lightly honestly admit that on social media but there's a lot of them that sadly are in that category for exactly the reason of that kind of scenario that we've just but you know that that scenario if we turn that scenario around and say go and get some training on on business if you've missed if you've missed out on that in your in your training go and learn some marketing go and learn some business strategy um, and then go and f- go and get clients where you need one client to earn what you normally earn in a week. Mm. Right. And then you've got the whole of the rest of the week to find clients. And yeah. find, finding clients isn't hard. There are people out there all over the world. There are people out there crying out for help constantly. Just got to go and put yourself in front of them. They need to realise you are their solution. Yeah. 
just put yourself in front of the people that are that are crying out for help. Go and talk to them. Marketing so, is marketing you, isn't hard. Do you do that largely virtually online though? Because you said yeah. before most of your clients are online. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly, most of my stuff is currently coming from Facebook. Okay. Um, and the rest of it is referrals. You know, because that's another thing as well. When you get when you get clients that you transform, when clients are so blown away by the transformation that that, that you make in their life, when you say to them, "Would you give us a referral? Could you? Would you mind saying something on your Facebook publicly about what we did?" Yeah. They get they do, because they're over the moon. Yeah, and it's. For anyone who goes watching this, if you go on hypnosisweek.com and click on watch past episodes, if you watch the episode with Sheila Granger, uh, Hypnogastric Band and Building Your Practice, you, could you just reminded me of something Sheila said about referrals as such an underutilised thing. People are quite often shy or scared to ask for a referral. They don't realise the potential value of it. But Sheila explained uh, an example of going to networking meetings and standing up. And rather than trying to kind of sell her services, she wanted to get to a certain decision maker in a company. There was nobody there from that company, but this all so many degrees of separation. Someone may know somebody. And she said, rather than trying to sell the people at the networking meeting something, she stood up and said, look, you know what I do? Because I'm here every week. This week, if I'd love if any help, if anyone here knows somebody who can introduce me to such and such of such a company so that they'll actually pick up my telephone call or genuinely read my email so I can get past the gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. And it was a refra- it was a different way of looking at things because I personally myself have always hated bloody networking mm-hmm. meetings. But when she gave that example, I suddenly thought, uh, yeah, then you're not actually trying to sell something to the people there, and it becomes a different. You know, but, you know, if you if you if you look at Facebook as an example, right? Facebook is the world's biggest networking meeting, right? People make the mistake of, of marketing via Facebook. They think what they need to do is go into Facebook and try and sell stuff to people, right? And that doesn't work because people are sold to all the time on Facebook. If you go into Facebook and you help people, right, you just go and go and help people and network and mix with them and get into conversations about what you do without ever trying to sell anything. But your profile mentions what you do. People will go, they seem like a really nice person. They really gave some good advice there. And they'll go and have a look at your profile. And if your profile has a booking link on it, they'll Mm -hmm. click the link. Right. If you look at my Facebook profile, for instance, there's a great big yellow button on the banner that says free call. Click here. Right. And that's there because I go into groups and I go into I find people talking about stuff that I that I can help with. And I talk to them. As if it was a networking meeting. So a complete reframe on what Facebook is about. Mm. Uh yeah but what would you say about things like linkedin then linkedin is a different animal because linkedin is about 
is about business. You have to, again, the the key to the key to LinkedIn. Um, and I know some real LinkedIn experts. Uh, and the key to that, again, is the profile is the information on your LinkedIn profile needs to speak to your ideal client. We talk about a lot, talk about this a lot in the in the group that I'm um, that I'm most active in. And we talk about entering the conversation that's going on in your ideal client's head. Right. And we've got a great a great way we do that is you pick a client that you've helped in the past. Mm-hmm. You ask them for an interview in exchange for a gift of some kind. You know, I'll, I'll do you I'll do you another session if you'll let me do this interview with you. And then you ask them what they were thinking when they when they chose to work with you. And, and you ask them to go in, in depth about how they were thinking. Yeah. Then you go in depth in thinking about how uh, in, into how they're thinking after they worked with you and the difference it made in their life. You record that like on Skype or on Zoom or whatever. Then you get that transcribed and you pick out the words and the phrases that they used while they were talking. And then you use those words and phrases and you join them all back up together in a bit of text and you put it on your profile. Because you now know exactly what your ideal client is saying. You know exactly the thoughts that they're having. So when somebody comes along and they look at your comment or whatever and they go, that's interesting. And they look at your profile. Uh They go, oh, my God, it's like they're reading my mind. This guy is reading my mind. He knows exactly how I feel. Oh, I'm going to send him a message. That, That little thing i mean i pay i actually paid a business coach a huge amount of money to learn that that piece of information is gold and for people who are watching i say this every week watch this video again but with a piece of paper and a pen in hand and take notes because there's more gold to be mined from the past hour than you will realize at just one watching and that tip alone to try and get you to comprehend how potentially powerful that tip is i suggest and this has got nothing to do well it has got to do with hypnosis in so much as manipulating people's beliefs but there is a book about cambridge analytica yeah by a friend of mine neil saunders uh, which you can get from neil saunders that's uh, n-e-i-l-s-a-n-d-e-r-s neil saunders mindcontrol.com It's the single best book on Cambridge Analytica, which is um, was run by a company called Strategic Communications Laboratories, which is a British government. um, It's listed as being it's a weaponized asset, PSYOP, for them to actually do what they do. They out, out of England, they have to have permission from the British government. It's classed as a psychological warfare thing and this is what hacked people's facebook's account and influenced uh trump being voted into power influenced the brexit vote and there'll be people going bullshit right do your research brexit result and trump were both illegally obtained through this psychological operation called cambridge analytica and mossad in israel as a version they're called black cube general a communications hq have a thing they call trick they're all similar things data mining but in cambridge analytics case illegally what you post what you look at things you say 
taking those, just like Steve's mentioned, and feeding it back to you, but with something else added on, so that you end up thinking the way they want you to think or acting the way they want you to act, which in Steve's example is to pick up the phone and book a session with him, for example. And this is used by government psychological operations as, of, uh, as warfare around the world. If it's good enough for them, surely it's good enough for you to be able to use this technique to get more clients. I, yeah? I, always, I always say I can teach you a lot of stuff, but make sure you only use your powers for good. Excellent. <laughs> and it's true because, the, you know, that is essentially what Steve explained is a positive use of what Cambridge Analytica have done to, to, to influence election campaigns around the world illegally. Yeah. Um, right, madness. Well, we've gone over the hour, so our time is running short. So I'm going to ask you the question I finish with everyone with. And then I'd like you to tell everyone how they can find out more, where they can find you on social media, your website and all that kind of stuff. Although we'll put links below the video as well. But the question I ask everybody at the end is, OK, so somebody knocks on your door. They've already been on a course of some description. And you kind of covered this a little bit earlier. But nonetheless, they ask you to say, can you give me three Three top tips. What would your top three tips be in terms of it doesn't matter whether it's how to get more clients. It doesn't matter if it's how to grow the business. It doesn't matter if it's how to get better results with the clients, because to some degree you've already covered all them in the past hour. But if you had to go, what would your top three takeaways be? Well, oh, there are so um, many. There are so many. The first one. Well, people first can always one. contact you for more. Yeah. The first one has to be. Um, find find the clients who are who will value what you can do more. Mm-hmm. Go go actively looking for the people who expect to pay more and will value what you're doing more and charge them the money they expect to pay. Because that will make the biggest difference to your life. Yeah, that's the big one. Secondly, there's a good chance that you already know everything you need to know. If you've done a, if you've done a half reasonable course, you probably from the perspective of your skills of what you do, you probably know everything that you need to know to help people. Uh-huh. And thirdly, learn how to market what you're doing. Put as much time into learning how to market the stuff as you did into learning how to do it. Yeah, marketing is marketing, advertising, publicity, promotion, yeah. all different That's arms of the same beast. Yeah, I would agree it's more important for many reasons that Steve's mentioned during the past hour than the actual ritualistic process itself. Yeah. Excellent. So where can people find you to contact you to overcome their own blocks and obstacles on their pathway to success? Okay. The the easiest way to find me, because nobody can ever spell or pronounce my surname, is that um, I've got a website with a nice, easy-to-remember URL, which is themindfixer.com. From there, that links to everything I do. Excellent. Go to themindfixer.com. It'll take you to a website that's got my name at the top. Mm-hmm. There you can find everything you need to know. 
and a lot of people miss that. If you've got a difficult to spell or pronounce name, yeah, by all means, buy the domain so nobody else can and direct it to a website. But the one you advertise and tell people over the phone so they can't misspell it, something easy like Steve just uh, explained. And that alone can have a difference in you getting found, bizarrely. Well, thank you so much for your time. As I say to uh, everyone each week, seriously, do get a pad and a pen. I promise you that there is, in the past hour, there has been more than you could possibly have consciously taken on board at one go. Go back, ask yourself the questions, ponder uh, the things that Steve's asked you to imagine, actually do it. And then notice the results and change in your thinking and then search out Steve's website, contact him for more information. And don't forget to join us next week for another edition of Hypnosis Week. Thanks, viewers. And thank you, Steve. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Cheers, dude.